Welcome back to the NES Experience. Thanks for tuning in. Today we're going to be talking mostly about squatting. We're also going to be talking about milk. And to wrap things up, we're going to be talking about uh, body mass index. To kind of start this episode off though, Ned uh, kind of got trolled on Instagram about a week or so ago. And I guess you have some thoughts about that, don't you? Yeah, it was, uh, I kind of thought it was going to happen. I'm to the point now where I have to, before I post a squat video, I have to say, is this going to get trolled if it's not going to get trolled? Because if people don't get enough depth, then you start to hear, you know, comments. And it was a Hamden Hall team session. Uh, the kid was squatting, I don't know, 405, and the whole team was around him. And people don't know the background history, but he's five foot six, seven kind of short so going down you know a couple flights of stairs on that squad it doesn't really have to go that far um he also had he did a seven on seven and had a quad injury and honestly i actually told him not to squat for the day because he had a bruise on his quad and it hurt when he bent his knee so i decided that you know it's up to you if you want to do it he also had a minor ankle issue so he had restricted mobility in his ankles which could play a role with squat depth the moral of the story is we're in a team setting we're just trying to go you know everybody was hyped up and uh i posted the video i my analysis was i don't think i'll get trolled with this one uh because i'm a psychopath i actually slowed the video down and measured the angles at the hip, and it was 93 degrees, not 90 degrees. And 90 would be parallel, which would be level that, you know, all meatheads decide that you have to squat to parallel. And if you can't do that, it doesn't count. And that came from powerlifting competitions where you have to, you know, gauge and, you know, it, they, what they do is they have a green light or a red light. So if you, once you reach the depth, it'll be green, and that's their measure. Because then if you didn't, I mean, I get why they do it, because then you would have guys piling like 1,300 pounds on the bar moving at three inches. You know, I get that. But basically, we went through, I posted the video, and then I got uh, bloop, and it pops up. And it was uh, this little kid. I mean, his head was bigger than his body. So, and he shoots over, you know, a comment. And then I'm like, oh, typically when I get trolled, it's like, you know, blue collar, boot wearing, you know, dudes or like roid heads. And this kid looked like he never picked up a weight before in his life. So I'm like, this is pretty, pretty, I mean, it hit different because it's like, I don't even think you've lifted weights before, but you're making a comment on my page. And I think everybody at this point in time knows my attention to detail and it, to me, I was just like, this is ridiculous. So that little bitch, we're going to talk about squatting today. And uh, maybe you should tune in and understand that, you know, you don't have to squat to, to parallel necessarily to get performance benefits. And there's a lot of things that go on in the squat that determine what your depth is going to be and what we're trying to, you know, reach for. So... That bitch has inspired me for a podcast topic to talk about squatting. Everybody squats. Everybody loves to squat. Everybody's got an opinion on squatting. Should you front squat? Should you back squat? Should you split squat? Um, chains, bands, you know, box, 
the everybody has their thing and uh i would like to kind of give my stance on it yeah so what are your opinions on squatting what's the best way to squat first off we don't even squat everybody at nes there was a four-year period where we didn't squat at all so our main pushes were bulgarians split squats lunges basically all single leg strengthening exercises you were a part of that era so we squatted you zero times so i have squat racks and we implement it more uh, i started implementing it more because i'm actually a big fan of the variable resistance you know using chains and bands accommodating resistance um it's a good it's more it transfers over better the field and it's way easier on the joints because it's low it's more of a low weight high velocity bar velocity type movement which helps with power um and explosiveness so should you first off you know everything with us is a case-by-case basis so when somebody comes in we have to you know determine if they're going to squat or not so we got to look at the sport so there's some sports that i don't squat uh basketball players so very few of my basketball players back squat because they're so tall they have the longest femurs ever the taller you are the harder it is to squat uh, and get good depth because it's just nature it's biomechanics so if you have the longest femurs ever no matter how hip dominant or how much mobility you have, ultimately those you know knees are going over the toes and then it turns into how far over the toes do you want your knees to go before something bad happens. So I'm a neutral hip dominant squatter. And with basketball players, they, they just don't respond well to squatting. And we don't need to because when you run, if you want to jump higher, most of the time you're you know jumping off one foot or two feet you train single leg you're going to be a more powerful jumper double leg and even more you know single leg so based off of the sport that kind of keep put points us in a direction so basketball player you're not squatting and we're going on the single leg alternating from bulgarians and split squats so now there's some people that i have to always squat and that would be the high school Hamden Hall football team because football players, football coaches love them some squats. And I have to create a program that's going to make the athletes perform at a higher level and to some extent make the coaches happy. So we squat there. When we start squatting, the answer is you're supposed to squat to your range of motion. You want to go as low as you can go as long as the framework and anatomy of your body operates and functions the way that it should so for some people that is not below parallel so we want to get as much range as possible without compromising you know the the things around it to increase the risk of injury and cause other problems if you don't have the mobility and mobility and flexibility to get down and through the range of motion that people are just picking and deciding you have to get there you're going to do other things your heels are going to come off the ground your T-spine is going to start to round. And then depending on what your injury history is, you know, if you're knee dominant, you have to go super knee dominant, you're going to potentially cause more problems with the knees. Back squatting causes a lot of back problems. Um, and if you go with too much depth, you're going to increase the risk of hurting your back, which I see all the time. 
if you have tight hamstrings and you try and get too much depth, you are going to, I have one athlete who, this is pre-Ned, uh, pulled his hamstrings four times squatting. And that's because his hamstrings were tight and he was trying to get too much depth and it was done the wrong way. So um, squat to your range and what your mobility is. Now your, your back squat nerds are going to spend, you know, an hour a day improving their ankle range and their hip range and they're using training bars and they're designing their whole program around squatting. We train athletes to improve their performance. We're not training athletes to perform in a powerlifting competition. When you look at the needs of range of motion and hip flexion, you know, you don't even, the most you need when you run is 90 degrees for most sports. So, and most of the time you don't even, you're producing force at different angles that are above parallel. You can get a response from it getting, you know, we try for close to parallel. And if you can't get close to parallel, then maybe squatting isn't your thing and we'll, we'll take you out and we'll flip you over to a, you know, more of the single leg program. So there's a lot of things to look at. We're not going to spend, if we have 90 minutes or sessions or an hour and a half, we're not going to spend the whole time trying to improve our squat. That is one small piece of the puzzle in making an athlete and, and better and taking them to the next level. Yeah, no, I think that's pretty well put. So, uh, yeah, fuck you. Um, I guess moving on. One of the things that I kind of brought up uh, when we were talking about this episode is I wanted to get your thoughts on milk. Uh, in my family, you know, we, uh, we used to drink a lot of milk. My dad was a big whole milk guy. He used to freak out when my mom would buy 2%, and he would throw a tantrum if there was, like, fat-free milk in the house. My girlfriend now only drinks, like, oat milk. So, and I've heard a lot of people say that that's just oats and fucking water and there's no milk in there. So I just kind of wanted to see what you thought about milk. Wanted to get your take on milk. Our conversations that we have about podcast topics are pretty entertaining because we're like, oh, what are we going to talk about? And we're like, what is everybody? We got to pick things that are universal that everybody can relate to, has an opinion on or how it forms in their life. Because not everybody is a baseball pitcher or an in-season football player. So what we do is we sit down and we talk about squatting milk and, and being fat. Uh, so I guess most people can, can relate. So, yeah, with milk, um, things to know about milk. The most important thing is when you look at who should have milk, the most important people to have milk or kids uh, under the age of eight. So babies, one-year-olds, two-year-olds, you want to have whole milk because they need that for their bone growth and development. And the problem is once you get to the age of whatever, seven or eight, your body's ability to process the casein in the milk and all the healthy benefits of milk, most of the benefits of milk basically go to zero. So zero to eight, you want to have yourself some nice whole milk. You don't want to do what my mom did. My mom always got skim milk. There's goodness in, in whole milk. So 
whole is the best, 2%, 1% skim, fat-free when you're looking at kids under 8. Once you get past that, you know, milk is okay, not bad. Typically, I tell people if you're trying to gain weight, um, so all of our weight gain kids, drink yourself a whole bunch of whole milk. Why? Because it's got a whole bunch of fat in it. Milk does have sugar in it. I'm not telling them to drink the milk because of all the health benefits of it. I'm telling them to drink it because it's super high calorie. It mixes well, you know, with all the other stuff that we put in our weight gain shake. So whole milk, if you're on the weight gain plan, grab yourself a gallon of whole milk and go to town. Um, Then for the rest of the population, it's okay. Like you generally, I mean, you can go roll skim milk. I think I read something that skim milk actually has more calcium in it than whole milk. Um... Any of the, if you're just drinking milk in moderation, it doesn't really matter. You know, you could drink whole milk and it's okay. If you have a little bit more milk than other people, I would say maybe go more of the skin variety, skim variety to, you know, lower the, the calories. Um, but really, it's not like the greatest thing ever. The answer is, when should I use milk? I don't know. Put it in your coffee. Use it in cereal because OJ in cereal is gross. And, you know, have a glass here and there, a little glass in the morning, you're good. But I know some people, my wife, she won't even drink milk because she can't, she just will pound milk. She'll drink, like, if she drinks a glass of milk, she'll want to take out a half gallon of milk. And she's not the only one. I've met people that, like, they love milk so they just can't help themselves. So if I'm trying to lose weight and I'm and I love milk way too much, then I would probably you, you you're not missing anything. You just want to get rid of it. And then you got the varieties. So almond milk is good. That oat milk shit sounds disgusting. I've never had that. I have had almond milk and I've had cashew, I believe, milk. And those are fine. I mean, they don't taste as good, but it's a good alternative. It's fine. If you don't want to mess with milk, don't mess with milk unless you're under eight. You can, you know, shift over to your almond milk or your gross ass oat milk if you want. But yeah, that's my, that's my thought on milk. Gotcha. I, I definitely used to be one of those people who just loved milk. I would drink a lot of it when I was a kid, chocolate milk, like the, you know, you'd put the Hershey's chocolate syrup in and you'd stir it up. Oh, fucking just delicious. But speaking of milk, you know, BMI, body mass index. I don't know how many people are familiar with it, but when I was, you know, a kid and stuff, doctors were really focused on my body mass index. And I guess, you know, I wasn't super fat. And, you know, in high school, I played quarterback, so I wasn't huge. But body mass index wise, I I was fucking rocking that thing not in a good way uh it seems a little outdated i know you had a little bit of a a body mass index encounter so what are your opinions on the bmi well my first encounter was a year ago uh went to my doctor you know we're in 2022 right now go to the doctor and they come in they're like all right we're gonna do your height and weight do my height and weight 6'2", conservative 275. I'm like, all right, um, I'm doing all right. My low point is typically like 260, 
265, but the reality of it is I sit 270, 275, and when things are not good, we're at 278, 279. So anyways, to keep everything anonymous, uh, go to him. He wants to talk to me about my weight, and he's like, your, your BMI is... And if anybody doesn't know about BMI, they take your height and they take your weight and they put in a little equation and then they created a table. And then they've, based off of those two numbers only, they have determined how fat you are because nobody is underweight on the body mass index. Uh, really, it just means are you fat? Are you really fat? Or are you super fat? Um, the categories are actually under 18.5, which. I have never met anyone on earth under 18.5. That would be underweight. 18 to 25 is healthy. And I'll give you an example of healthy. I couldn't find one person. I couldn't find one of my athletes that were healthy. And then 25 to 30 is overweight. 30 plus is obese. They actually updated this because five, 10 years ago, they had the 35 plus category which was morbidly obese. So basically it was like morbidly obese, obese, overweight, this category that like nobody on earth is. And like another category that I don't even know why it's on there. And I'm not going to pull the table out to talk about the underweight people because they got their own problems that they're trying to work on. So he was like, Ned, your, your, your BMI is 35.3, which puts me five points over the obese scale, and I'm bringing back the scale from five to 10 years ago because you just can't take shit back and be like, oh, we'll just scratch that. So I was, I was, you're morbidly obese. And there was a lot that I wanted to say because, you know, they got to be, you got to be out in five minutes. They don't want to know about you. They don't want to know what you do. They don't want to know your story. They don't want to try and figure it out. They, doctors want to, run through as many people as possible, make as much money as possible, get you the fuck out of there because they really don't care. I guess that's another podcast about my, hey, if you're a great doctor, this doesn't apply to you. But if, you, if you're an idiot, this, this fucking applies to you. So you've seen me. I'm not saying that I'm, you know, ripped or anything, but I've been around on earth enough I've, I've been to the point where you could put me into the fat kid category. I was a fat kid. All right. Got made fun of wet willies and shit. I mean, life in middle school when you're fat is no joke. So I, well, I was fat. I mean, big. I was 100 pounds when I was five, bro. I was 220 in eighth grade. And not like crazy fat. I just had a gut. I am built big. So your dumb BMI index doesn't work in the fact that most people can't even get their hands around my wrist. If you look at my wrist and you pinch, there ain't no fat on there. No fat on the wrist. Just a, some big-ass bones. And people say all the time, oh, you know, oh, I'm big-boned. And, and everybody, like, makes it up like everybody's bones are the exact, exact same size. Hey, you've seen me. Would you say I'm big-boned? Yeah, I, I would definitely say that. So, yeah, you're you're really big boned. Uh, I am. So I had a big problem with this, and this correlates with I had to get life insurance. That means you're getting old. 
So I was going through the process of getting life insurance and they're just looking at numbers and they're, I mean, they thought I was basically on the biggest loser. I'm taking topless pictures of myself and sending them to this guy being like, dude, not everybody is created equal. I'm straight up doing the, the bathroom selfie topless pick sending this guy. I'm like, send these over to that motherfucker. And, and I want to see what he says. Call me fat to my face. Shadow of a six pack, bro. I got a shadow of a six pack. How many people on the biggest loser have shadows of a six pack? Nobody. Come on. Anyways, it's completely inaccurate. I'm bringing this up because it's just, how are we in 2022 and we're and this is, and we have technology and we, we got people on the moon and shit and we're still using, you know, something like BMI to, to measure your fatness. And it's just not accurate. And then you start to read more about it because I started looking into it. And, oh, if you're an athlete, it's this. And, oh, if you're whatever, it's that. In my opinion, if you're a doctor, there's this BMI number. And then why don't you give me the eye test? Check it out, bro. I got no shirt on. I got no clothes on right now. I turned my head and coughed. You got you get to see everything. Why can't he just say maybe he doesn't exactly fall? Maybe he's may it says he's a 35, but maybe it's not as bad as we think. And the end result of this conversation, I didn't even go in there to get lectured on on being morbidly obese. I had other issues. And he's trying to basically break down and tell tell me what to do to lose weight. Dude, look at you. He his pants size solid ass forty eight. That's another thing. Like you need. I wanted to be like you need to lose weight. Here's my card. All right. That that forty eight inch stomach of yours increases the risk of heart disease. You know fifty x. We need to get you in the gym. So. It's like there's one you could see it being like, can you Google this and, and, and get a clue? That's what I wanted to say. But I just ate the shit because I just wanted to get out of there as soon as possible. So BMI is completely inaccurate. It's sad that it's still being used in hospital settings. Um, and it's even sadder that you can be someone so smart and not. No, no one wanted to take the extra steps to ask, like, you know, why don't you tell me about your, yeah, my uncle's 6'4", 275, got another uncle, 6'4", 275, big boned, big family, big. You could do my body fat percentage. Why don't we do that? My body fat percentage is, we'll say about 20%. Uh, sometimes I'm down to 18. Sometimes I'm up to 21. Here's some numbers for you. Based off of my height and weight and me being 20% body fat, if you strip me of every ounce of fat off my body, I'd die, by the way, I would be 220 pounds. When I go to my nice little BMI table, if I was 220 pounds, I would still be obese. I would have 0% body fat and I would still be obese. In order for me, here's my range because I had to figure out what, what really should I be at. So I was looked up, and they said that for a guy that's six foot two, my range is between 144 
and 192 pounds. So anything over 192 pounds, I'm overweight slash obese. But if I'm 0% body fat at 270, at 275, I shred down to 220, I don't have an ounce of fat on my body, but I'm still obese on your scale. The numbers don't work. It doesn't make sense. So what should they use? They should invest in a bod pod, which is a very reliable way, and stick people on an egg for a minute and say you are X percent body fat, and which is gives you a better idea. I know they're not going to pull out the skinfold calipers and body comp people, but you could just use an eye test. And LeBron James would come if LeBron James goes to the doctor, he's obese. But no, he's an athlete. So, all right, but what if you're not an athlete? What if you're an adult, but you're generally in shape and you lift weights? So, I, I mean, you you ever see a guy 6'2", 144? There's nothing healthy about a dude that's 6'2", 144. I have athletes that come in that have been that low. And it's just not. And these are guys with small frames and super fast metabolisms. So the system's broke. It pisses me off. And uh, I feel like I had to throw that out there. Do you have any comments before I go on to my my dad bod rant? No, I was just going to ask, was it the doctor that, that said you had the dad bod? It was not the doctor. I got the hell out of there as soon as possible. Haven't been back since. Um, so I was training my my athletes, one of my athletes... Shout out Peter Phillips. He's in the NECBL, which is a high-level college league right underneath the Cape. And he uh, recently went 13 scoreless and is on the verge of being an NECBL all-star. Um, he got me, he got a shirt for 4th of July, and it was Bristol Blues. That's a team for the NECBL Summer League. And I was like, oh, that's the greatest shirt ever. It was an XL. And when you're a big guy... Uh, it's real hard to find clothes. You obviously want to wear clothes that make you look good. And for me, the 2X gives me the bag at the bottom, which makes me look like my doctor. And then the 1X, if they cut them too small, I look like a stuffed sausage. So I'm always stuck between looking like my fat doctor and looking like a stuffed sausage. But if you find the right XL, it just hits perfectly. And I knew this shirt on me was going to be fucking money. So I take my shirt off. He takes his shirt off. We switch shirts. I try it. And before I get, even get the shirt on, I have one of my asshole athletes yells out, I love him. He's great. I'm just breaking balls. But the comment, he's like, dead bod. Mad. Like, I call myself fat. I make fun of myself. I, I mean, you've heard all the stuff on this podcast, whether it's shitting my pants, I don't know if I've talked about that yet, or over sweating or being big or being fat. Like I make fun of people. I make fun of myself. I don't care. It's funny. But the dad bod comment just fucking hit different. And I was like, what do you mean dad bod? Like he's hanging out with my doctor. Like these guys are just burying me right now. Got two kids. I'm married, trying to run a business, you know, doing a marginal podcast like I got a lot of shit going on and I think for 42 year old 42 years old I look damn good. Not exactly where I want to be, but uh when you go through the game of life and a lot of people that listen to this podcast are going to go through a whole bunch of shit and it's hard. 
It's easy to say, you got to make what self-care or whatever the shit that everybody talks about now. Yeah, got it. People that talk about self-care are people that don't have two kids and a wife and a whole bunch of shit going on. Self-care people are sit at home and try and figure out how to not work and make money off their phone. So they spend all their time trying to figure out how not to work and not, uh, you know, going through and realizing that there really isn't a lot of time in the day to try and be, you know, 4% body fat. So he hits me on the dad bod comment. I got mad. Like you call me fat. Like it's like, ah, funny. Don't do that. The only people that can call me fat are big guys. Big guys can call big guys fat. Little guys can't call big guys fat. That's my rule. Anyway, so he hits me with a dad bod. And being hit with dad bod is worse than being hit with fat. Because if you're fat, you're just fat. So basically, if you're going to call me dad bod, would you say that a dad bod, when you look at them, do you feel like they work out? Do you think that does it look like they lift and exercise? Dad bods. Go. Uh, I mean, you are a dad. I am a dad. That is correct. But I believe if you took 10 42-year-old dads and we all took our creepy bathroom selfie pictures, I'm smoking a lot of them. That's my opinion. Maybe I'm too confident. But most of the you know, big guy, you're a big guy. I've heard, I've heard you're jacked. You're big. You're big guy. No, nobody throws. And we're real honest, you know. Generally, people aren't just blowing smoke up my ass. Like my chest is big. You want to know if you're fat? Number one, your chest has got to be bigger than your waist. Do your chest measurement. Mine's fifty-one. Get off me. Chest me- or waist measurement forty. That's plus eleven, bro. What are you? So the dad pod comment pissed me off because it's like you're basically saying that it doesn't even look like I exercise. And that is that's just generally not accurate. So because I'm a psychopath, I decided and we're doing this podcast, I decided to look up dad bod. So I went to Google and I typed, how do you know if you have a dad bod? And they created a table, um, a BMI table of of what the dad bod range is. So I was like, all right, let me check it out. And it was 6'2", if you were over 222 pounds, that was the farthest you could go in the dad bod box to even be in the dad bod category, which means I don't even, according to BMI, I, my body is not even as good as a dad bod. That's fucked up. I was 50 pounds, 40 pounds off the end range of dad bod. Yeah, that's, uh, I, I, I'm a little surprised. I always interpreted dad bod as like, you know, it's a, it's a dude who works out. It looks like he works out a little bit, but he's not like a a super gym rat, like crazy dude you know, on steroids. So, I I mean, I don't know. Maybe I misinterpreted this, but it it was told to me by other people that it's kind of giving off the aesthetic of like, oh, I don't really care about having a six-pack and women would like that more. 
when I think dad bod, I think Seth Rogen. You remember, I mean, one of my favorite movies of all time, which would have been Knocked Up. Look at Seth Rogen and Knocked Up. And to me, I don't know if you could remember that movie or that scene or Seth Rogen with no shirt on. But what I have in my head is a guy that, you know, isn't fat, but basically, you know, decent on the love handles. The belly is flattish, generally built like SpongeBob, more of a square shape, not a lot of built like a a box. So that's my take on it. So maybe it's the interpretation of a dad bod. And maybe I need to do some more analysis. But yeah, big time, big time mad with the dad bod comment. I'm I'm almost I think now that I've been able to speak my piece, I think I might be over it now. But really it all goes back to BMI being complete bullshit and shocking that they're still using it in modern medicine. Yeah, modern medicine has been taking a bit of a beating recently. So, you know, just is what it is, I guess. So that's going to do it for us this episode of the NES Experience. Thanks for tuning in. And if you want to shoot us some a DM or a message or, you know, just say something to Ned in person if you're in the gym, have a podcast topic that you want us to break down, feel free to do that. And... Yeah, we might give you a shout out and, you know, we won't say bad things about you and have to bleep out your name. And I think that way everyone wins. So until then, we'll be looking at some dad bods. Thanks for tuning in. (laughs)